0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 32 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Casual Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program.
2: On today's show, we have some real talent. Tick Maynard is joining us to give us his thoroughbred makeover experience and how it has impacted how he trains now. Jasna Pragnett comes on as our first RRP Spotlight Rider of the Year to talk about her makeover horses and how her skills as a personal life coach helps with her training. And of course, New Vocations joins us to bring another fabulous training tip and our Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned.
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse.
1: This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma.
2: And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio.
1: How's life going, Joy? Are you ready to break out and get out of town yet?
2: Well, here's the thing, Jamie. I'd love to break out but it's raining all the time. And I'm at the (laughs) point where I'm like, probably good. My husband builds boats in case I need to get out of here. (laughs) Are you serious? Oh, Um, wow. So much rain, rain, constant rain. I looked at the forecast. and I was like, thunderstorm, thunderstorm, more thunderstorms, scattered thunderstorms. I (laughs) like how it's so diverse, but all equally awful. They just give it give it cool names.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. not been too terribly bad here in Oklahoma, but I'm just ready to go to a freaking horse show, man. It's yeah. like, it's just, it's so strange to be on lockdown. So be, I have a thoroughbred that I'm bringing along and he needs to travel. He needs to go places. Mm-hmm. So we currently have been loading up in the trailer and going to my neighbor's house. That is literally like I could see her house from here. So I drive around the block <laughs> and Aww. then we go up to her house to unload. I ride in her arena and then I get back in the trailer, drive around the block a couple mm-hmm. times and go back home. So we're trying to kind of mimic what it would be like to travel because he was ready to compete right as this all started. His name is Drax. That's what I call him. But his, his, his jockey club name is nuisance. And he's just this big, solid, beautiful thing. And he's ready to do stuff. And I'm so, I'm like, I don't know what to do with you. I can't trot another 20 meter circle. <laughs> it's so true it.
2: though. I mean, like, I feel like all of us have had to get really creative of how do we not get bored in the arena right now? And even like in our end, we're still at the stay at home order. And luckily, you know, oh, yeah. we're able to still see our horses, but I'm like, is it okay to do cross training? Am I risking anything? Like all those questions come up and you're like. I just want to enjoy things again. It was simpler. Yeah, like exactly. 2019 was a simpler time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> back in the day.
2: <laughs> oh, back in the good old days, man. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Well, we're, speaking of figuring out ways to train horses, we're going to talk to Tick Maynard, who is just a, a genius and just really enjoyable to talk to about horse psychology and behavior and things like that. And Jasna Pravnik, is that somebody's sister?
2: In fact, she is. So we've had her sister on before, Rosie Napravnik. So definitely exciting to have both of them on the show at some point. But Chaz gives some great advice as well on how having a good mental mindset has really helped with training. So you'll all love that. And, of course, Leandra's training tip. Oh, my gosh. It's so great. And how
1: precious is this horse? Oh, my gosh. Well, stick around. We're going to tell you all about it here. Uh, We first got to hear from the people that make this show possible, Kentucky Performance Products. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
2: So we are so lucky to have a legend with us today on Retired Racehorse Radio. We have Tick Maynard, who was just born in a racehorse-loving gene and been training ex-racehorses in their second careers. You know, he started in Pony Club, worked his way up, and really made a name for himself as a professional trainer, three-day inventor, and thoroughbred makeover veteran. So welcome to the show, Tick. We're so honored to have you.
3: Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here.
2: So, I mean, as if you're not impressive enough, you've done so much and you're also an accomplished author, tell us a little bit about how your style of training has been beneficial of bringing your ex-racehorses along.
3: Well, I guess I mean, it's it's been a it's been a process. That's a that's a tough question because I actually feel like I've learned more from the racehorses than I've taught them and and how they've taught me to sort of slow down and look at the big picture and look at the whole horse before continuing on. And what I mean by that is trying to find the balance between bringing them on physically and bringing them on mentally. You know, when I get a horse off the track, there's often a lot of little things like I wouldn't say, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't say it's it's hard. I'd say it's complicated. And what I mean by that is trying to find the balance between do they have Altars? Do they have soreness somewhere? Do they need time off? Are they anxious about certain things? And trying to find all these little things that are going on with them. And that's something that I'm continuing. Uh, I continue to learn and something that like my wife and our vets and our farrier and my parents, it, it, it becomes like a team effort. And we're trying to all kind of figure it out like a little bit of a, a puzzle. And that's the biggest challenge for me uh, with all horses, but especially with X-Race horses but that's also the biggest, uh, you know, the joy in it, the, the, the fun in it is trying to figure out those things.
1: I got to say, Tick, hey, it's Jamie Jennings. So, Tick, it's interesting to hear you talk about kind of having to put together a plan really for these horses that come off the track because all of them have different experiences. And it, just because it's an X horse doesn't mean you can hop on it and ride it. There's certain different things different trainers did there's different experiences that the horses had different anxieties they might have what are some of the first things that you do when you get one off the track that to come into your barn what are some things you look for what are some things you immediately do
3: well that's a that's a good question but let me just back up for a sec and just tell you two things that I've been thinking about a little bit myself and then I'll come back to that question okay the first is when I used to get thoroughbreds off the track you know and especially i get a lot of horses like in training like an owner will send one to me and they'll you know they'll want me to kind of get the horse ready to go riding again and send it back to them and i used to tell them uh you know three or four months or something like that and we'll get the horse walk truck canner and it'll be ready to go home you know on average i I always say you know stuff's on average so it might go quicker or it might go slower but then um when i was in england last year i i spoke with a a lady there who actually met at the thoroughbred makeover we trains race horses for the for the queen there and also Gondolphin Godol- horses and i asked her how long she tells people to get the horse kind of you know at a very basic level ready to go home after the horses come off the track and she says she tells people 18 months and i was really? blown away you know i was like that and that's actually like a much more probably realistic time frame to really have the horse relaxed in mind and body and thoughtful and ready to train and, and ready to work. You know, there's so many, so many shortcuts you can sort of try and take to get horses ready for particular things, you know, and if you're a very, very experienced horse people, horse person, you can sort of make stuff happen, but to have the horse really have that understanding and those basics, I think it can take a lot longer, you know, than I thought even, you know, four or five years ago. Um, and the other thing that I've been thinking about recently is, is I've never done the Mustang makeover, but I've done the thoroughbred makeover, you know, a a few times and judged it there. And I was sort of wondering about the timelines and with the Mustang makeover, I think they have three or four months or a hundred days or something Mm -hmm. like that. And with the thoroughbred makeover, you know, we sort of have January to October more or less. And, you know, that's quite a big time difference. And I think the reason is is with those Mustangs, even though they can be more harder or more difficult, you're really starting from square one. You're starting with a blank slate. Most of them have not been around people before at all. Whereas with the thoroughbreds, we have to sort of relate to them in a new way. They've had experiences with other trainers, other people, other riders, that we know nothing about. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of those are positive. There's a lot of good racehorse trainers out there, but just like in any discipline, you don't know, like it could have come, there there could have been some relationship that was tough on the horse or made a create a lot of anxiety in the horse. And so we're really, we're really having to sort of back up and spend that beginning time, you know, getting, getting to square one, you know, trying to, trying to find that starting place.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you think when you said the timeline of eighteen months? What does the horse look like at the end of eighteen months?
3: So, what I would like to think, you know, is is the horse can be ridden, walk, trot, canter. They're introduced, you know, in in my world, the venting world, or jumping world, they're introduced to to Cavaletti, maybe little grids, you know. But that, those are all physical things. The most important thing to me is what's going on with the horse mentally, which is that they're they can focus on the rider or the task at hand and they're relaxed and they're thoughtful and, and they sort of, you know, people say enjoy their job. I I think that's a little bit anthropomorphic to say whether they enjoy it or not, but I'd say that they're, they're relaxed in it, you know, that they're not showing any anxiety about it. And, and once you get to that sort of foundational level where they can, they can relax and focus, you know, then you can really take the horse in any direction. And I think if you're seeing, you know, more than 10% of the time with your horse, you're seeing things like they're swishing their tail. They can't keep their mouth closed around the bit. They're trying to kick out. They they're resisting the leg. They're getting distracted. They're not able to keep their attention on you. And that's happening. Like where sometimes I'll see horses that are at shows and that's happening 80% of the time. And I'm just like, that horse is not only not accepting the job, that horse hates their job. And I think that that's what I'm talking about. And 18 months could seem like a long time, but I think for some horses, that's completely necessary.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I I read one of your articles and I really, really love it. And and it makes me still to this day, think every time I'm in the cross ties with my horse, but the article was be a good friend, five ways to improve your relationship with your horse. And it seems so simple, but it, it's things that you just, you don't think of like, the, the first one was be the best rider that you can be. And it, it, you're doing such a good service to your horse by being a good rider. But I really liked number two, which was figure out your horse's love language. Can you talk to us a little bit about your horse's love languages?
3: Yeah. <laughs> and I thought this would be a really interesting book. I mean, I think a lot of people have heard about the five love languages for people. And, and that's an interesting book in itself, you know, it helps you have a better understand yourself and have a better relationship to your friend or your your partner. But with horses, I think it's just a matter of figuring out what horses like that might be similar to us or might be different than us. You know, just to give you an idea, they like, they like safety probably as the most important thing. That means a lack of fear. They like comfort. Number two, number three, they like play. And as a big part of that, I think a really nice way to bring that out in a safe way is bringing out a horse's curiosity. I think it's so easy to always, if a horse goes to smell something, say, hey, not now, we're in work mode. And I try to think for every one time I don't allow my horse to be curious about something, maybe I don't want them to knock my coffee mug over, I try to give them three or four or five times where I allow or I encourage them to be curious about something. Another great example about a horse's love language is I think people appreciate space and they appreciate touch like you appreciate you know being able to have a little distance from somebody sit around a campfire there's there's a distance between you but we also appreciate touch like whether it's hand holding or a hug or whatever it is and I think with horses they appreciate touch and space but I think they appreciate space more you know one of the biggest things is I think People are so quick to get in a space around a horse's head in particular. So often I say, give that horse's head a little bit of space sometimes, like stand by the withers, stand off to the side. If it's safe, stand by the horse's hindquarters and give them a rub there. Don't always get right up there. It's like, I think of it a little bit as like if you hold a book up to somebody's face and you're like, read this. It's just, sometimes it can just be too much for a horse you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. And, and another one I think about too was uh number three was simply be polite to your horse. And I, I think about that every time I go to pick up, the the horse is like back hoof because you, you you I did it all the time and I was like yes I do that is you start at the very top. Don't just grab the horse's leg. Start at the yeah. top and like gently just run your hand on their leg. Let them know it's coming and then place it back on the ground instead of just dropping it. And I think that that, that is really important. People don't think sometimes about being polite to their horse.
3: Yeah. I, I read an interesting study just very recently um and what they did in the study is they had People groom their horses uh, for ten minutes, and um, one w- there were two groups of people. One group was, you know, required to groom the horse for ten minutes and get the whole horse groomed, you know, equally. And the second group was asked to groom the horse and and yes, make sure all parts of the horse were clean, but to watch the horse carefully and spend more time grooming the parts of the horse that the horse seemed to enjoy, and less time grooming the parts of the horse that made the horse sort of grumpy, pin their ears you know, roll their eyes back, maybe try to nip at you in an extreme case. And what they did was they took the they put heart rate monitors on all the horses. And what they found was that the horses where the people paid attention to the horses' sort of emotions, their heart rate was a lot lower. The horse's heart rate, you know, stayed stayed quite low. And with the other horses, this is just getting the horse ready to ride. And you haven't even ridden yet and the horse's heart rate was already you know, starting to spike in certain cases. And I think what that really shows, what that really reflects is a horse's anxiety. And from the moment that we, you know, we catch a horse or even before that, when they first see you till the moment, you know, when we're riding and then we're getting off and then we're hosing the horse off and then we're putting the horse away, you know, you can you can pay attention to all those little things. You can be polite. You know, I, I love that you pointed that out.
1: <laughs> That's what I, was, I, that article really stuck with me. The book that you wrote is called In the Middle Are the Horsemen, we'll talk a little bit about that, but also, do you have any other books that you're writing right now? Cause you kind of seem to always have something, something
3: coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a few articles I'm, I'm working on and I'm, I'm trying to release, you know, I do a column for, uh, for off track thoroughbred magazine, which is comes out in the, in the print format. They don't do it online, uh, which I like, I like the kind of old, old, old feeling of, sort of having to hold something in your hand. And I still mm-hmm. like magazines and books more than I, I, you know, I read stuff online, of course, but I, I do like getting a, a magazine or a book. And then I, yeah, I've got some ideas for, for books. I think I've actually got five or six or seven ideas. <laughs> and I, I can't really tell you what they are yet, but I can tell you I've started talking to, to Folger Square Books, which is a fantastic publisher based out of Vermont. And, and they're the ones that published my first book. And they like some of the ideas. So I think in the next next few months, we're definitely going to be starting on something. And, and I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, you will be the first to know. I'll keep you updated on that.
1: Uh, that sounds amazing. That, and, sounds- <laughs> that sounds great. Now, tell me a little bit, tell everybody a little bit about In the Middle of the Horsemen, if they have been living under a rock and haven't read it yet.
3: Well, the, I'll just tell you the most exciting news. Uh, I just put it out on Facebook a few days ago, which is that the book has been published into German. And it's oh. going to be released in the German language in, in Germany as, and maybe other countries, I don't know, in August. So I haven't seen that yet. I've seen the cover that they designed. They changed the title a little bit when they translated it into German, but that's really exciting for me. In the United that's great. States, they've, yeah, they've sold, sold over 10,000 books now. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that as well. I guess a little background about the book is, is I've, I like a lot of young people, I had the idea of going out and becoming a working student. And I went to Germany, you know, and I also went to, to Florida and I went to Virginia and I went to Calgary and I went to various places around the world working for people in different disciplines. So not just the venting, but also dressage and show jumping. And I will say the biggest turning point I had, which I tried to share in that book, but the biggest turning point I've had in my life with horses is when I went to Texas for a few months. And, you know, I always had this goal that I wanted to become a better rider. And I went to Texas and I don't think I improved my riding at all. But what Mm -hmm. I did start to really internalize for the first time was the difference between being a good rider and understanding horses. Right. And I think it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to really start to internalize that. And it's the first place in my life where I've had to do things like to horse that doesn't want to be caught in a 10 acre field, you know, like. (laughs) That, you know, like all of a sudden you got to really start to understand horse psychology. you got to start to understand how horses think and feel and play. You know, it was the first time in my life where I'd seen some, I, I'd started a horse, you know, right from the very first ride. You know, before that I'd, I'd ridden horses that were very, very green, but I'd never done the first ride on a horse. Mm-hmm. And so I did that in Texas. You know, would go out in, on many days and spend five or six hours in the saddle, you know, riding along, checking fence lines, checking on the cattle. They had buffalo there as well. You know, and all these things really start to make you think about horses in a different way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it is, it, it is definitely a must read for, for horse people. It's just an interesting and entertaining story along with kind of you detailing what was going on in your life at the time. Please give baby Brooks the cutest little, this, well, second cutest baby of all time, uh, <laughs> a smooch for
3: us. And please tell Sinead we,
1: we send our love and we really appreciate you taking some time to join us this morning on Retired Racehorse Radio.
3: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, this this kind of stuff is really fun for me to talk about, you know, animal behavior, horse behavior, how they think, how they feel, figuring out ways to to make life for, for horses better and, and retired racehorses in particular. So anytime, feel free to give me a call.
1: Oh, you'll regret that decision. We'll talk to you next. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Thanks, no Dick.
3: Problem. <laughs> All right. Bye. bye.
2: It's fly time. Protect your equine friends with Cashel Company's full line of chemical-free fly protection. The Cashel Company Crusader Fly Mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from insects and blocks 70% of UV rays. Available in a array of styles and sizes, Cashel Company's Crusader line of fly protection as a chemical-free alternative to fly sprays that contain chemicals, are expensive, and honestly don't last for long periods of time. The Crusader line by Cashel Company can protect your horse from head to toe. Available in fly masks, fly sheets, and fly boots. To protect the life of your horse's shoes and alleviate pressure from their legs' soft tissues with Cashel Company's Crusader Leg Guards, the unique adjustable design helps reduce stomping caused by insect-induced stress and fits any horse in the barn. For more information on Cashel products, visit one of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit www.cashelcompany.com. Stay connected by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Cashel Company. So if you guys have been listening to Retired Racehorse Radio for a while, we always have a RRP Spotlight Rider to feature, well, coming up to the makeover in October, and our first one for the year is Jazz Napravnik. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Of course, we're so excited. And for our listeners, if that name sounds familiar, we've had her sister on before, Rosie Napravnik, but Jazz is going to be competing in the makeover this year, and As if your resume wasn't impressive enough. I mean, you've done steeplechase and flat training. You were a jockey. You're a certified personal life coach. Why the makeover? I mean, I'm glad you're doing it, but like, man, girl, it's impressive, everything you're doing.
0: Well, thank you. Why the makeover? I just think the mission is so wonderful and incredible. I've spent my entire career on the you know aside from what you see racing and whatnot but all those horses that I've trained that have come to the time where they're ready to retire from racing I've always been very diligent about giving them some reschooling lessons to help them transfer to a new sport or a new home and have the best life possible after they've left racing so it's near and dear to my heart and I love the mission and I just it's just something I really enjoy doing
2: That's amazing. And I I love that you also have the experience from the track. I think that's kind of neat because I don't think a lot of competitors see that transition. So can you kind of give a quick, like, what your observation has been seeing those horses go by adding that extra little bit of training versus some of the horses you might have seen who don't get that little extra bit?
0: Sure. Like, my training program, I've always trained all my horses off the farm. So I like, I believe in cross training, not only for my chase horses, horses, but also for the flat horses. And so not only do we train on the track, but we go cross country. We go up and down hills. We go through the woods. Even when I start my babies, I teach everyone how to jump to some degree. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. going and jumping babies over great courses, but, you know, stepping over a 12-inch log in the woods and teaching them basically about the fact that they have four feet how to move those feet and where to place those feet. And I think especially with the babies, it's so essential to become a good racehorse to be able to move efficiently. And so I think the cross training has just given them an all around more awareness and Mm -hmm. confidence in themselves. You know, to go out there and win races, a racehorse really needs to have a lot of confidence and the more they experience and the more they're secure with doing and seeing and being around, more confident are going to be, whether they're a racehorse, retired, moving into a different career, whatever that is, it's going to help them.
2: Absolutely. It's so interesting that you say that too, because, you know, a horse that kind of is just kind of stuck in that stereotypical racehorse routine might have a harder time transitioning off the track from that second career. But it sounds like your horses are just like ready to go. We're, we're well-rounded and It's such a great example you're setting there. Now, tell us a little bit about your makeover horse. Is this one that you got to work with prior during his racing career? You know, how did you pick him?
0: I actually have three this year. What? Um, You have three horses? (laughs) I have three horses. (laughs) Two personal horses and one team horse. And so I've got a really, really cool lineup this year. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, two of them are half-brothers. Oh um, both of them, I started as yearlings and then they actually went off to a different trainer. They went off to Mary Epler. One, well, they both started with me on the track and then moved to Mary Epler for a little while. And, mm-hmm. and then they both come back to me in their after track lives. The first one, his name is Axel Woes. And that is with a W. <laughs> he kind of got that name from his accident proneness as a baby. He is the younger brother. It started with me and unfortunately got injured early in his career. So he had a little pause, but then came back as a seven when he came back to me to try steeplechasing. But we just decided it wasn't going to be his uh, cup of tea. So then we decided to do the makeover with him. So I'm really excited about him. He is the team horse and he is most likely going to be doing dressage and possibly a second discipline. The second horse is his older brother, Paige McKenney. And for your listeners that are in Maryland, I'm sure that's a really familiar name. Paige ran on the racetrack until he was eight, and he won multiple stakes races, and he's won over a million dollars. So really? big brother did top little brother in the racetrack, but I think it might be the other way around at the makeover. But Paige McKinney's owners were kind enough to allow me to – gonna the makeover on him, I actually put on a phone call before he retired and put my name at the top of the list because I feel like Paige is such a great ambassador for the sport. I really wanted to showcase not only what maybe I know a lot of the horses at the makeover have been quote-unquote failures at the racetrack and they can come, go on to be great sport horses but I also wanted to showcase that a multiple graded stakes winning millionaire Can also transition to becoming a sport horse. So, we're not really sure what Paige is going to do yet. He is going to tell us as we work through the rest of the year. Right now, we're just kind of working on basic dressage and flat work. And then, my third candidate is a horse called Legend's Hope. And he actually came to me, a friend of mine trained him, and said he's basically kind of coming to the end of his. Career as a racehorse, and would I help him sell the horse? And I said, sure. I got the horse in my barn, fell in love with this big, gorgeous, beautiful chestnut that
2: just floats. I'm a sucker for a chestnut.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I took him out cross country. Now, granted, he had trains at Fair Hill, which Mm -hmm. is a beautiful training center in Northern Maryland. So he was used to training out cross country. But the first day he got to my barn, I took him out for a little hack to see what he was all about and tried him over a couple logs. And you would have thought this horse had spent his whole life jumping. He's like, Yep, I got this. I was like, All right, how about this one? It's a little bigger. He's like, That I got too.
4: I was like, All right, <laughs> dude,
0: how about this one? And he's like, Come on, this is child's play. And I was like, whoa, and I had to stop myself from jumping anything bigger because this horse was just like, bring it on, baby. <laughs> Sounds like
2: an inventor's dream horse to get started.
0: <laughs> it is an inventor's dream horse, for sure. So you know how you can't sell horses on Facebook. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: I ended up putting this post on Facebook, which is like a little confirmation shot. And I think I wrote something about, look at this awesome horse. Someone please buy him and let me take him to the makeover. And you know, the second half of that was kind of, a joke because I had to sell the horse, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, you can always hope. So anyways, I put that online about seven o'clock at night. I had a couple responses in my message box by nine o'clock the next morning. Sister in law of a former boss of mine, Jack Fisher, his mm-hmm. sister in law called me and said, I wanna come look at your horse. I'll be there at nine AM tomorrow morning. I'm like, All right. And so she came, she wanted a fox hunter. I'm like, Hill no, Fox, aren't sure. Mm-hmm. He came, tried him, loved them. And she's like, All right, I love him. Let's vet him. And if I buy him, you can take him to the makeover. And I was like, You just seen the smile on my face. I couldn't have been more Aww. happy about that. I'm like, No way. So, um, Legend Pope, who is lovingly referred to as Chester in the barn, mm-hmm. will be doing the fox hunting division. And his owner said that I can choose a second discipline of my choice if I want. So, You might see him eventing, you might see him show jumping, we're not really sure yet, but um, those are my, that's my 2020 lineup for the makeover.
2: That is quite an ambitious thing to do, but girl, I like, I applaud you for it. Seriously. (laughs) Thank you. Three horses, all of them kind of doing something a little different and all of them having a bit different needs as well. Do you think that your career as a personal mindset coach helps you with that? kind of keeping it all together? Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And to be quite honest, my career with horses has helped me as a mindset coach, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of what I do with my human clients, I have gained the intuition and the knowledge from working with horses, you know, trying to solve their internal puzzles and bring out their best qualities and help them really succeed at life. and the core essence of all that I've now transferred to people. And so I help people, you know, find their core strengths and, you know, what really makes them tick and help them succeed at life too.
2: I love that. Now, do you recommend that other competitors look into finding a mental skills coach or finding a personal mindset coach while they're preparing for the makeover, especially with everything going on right now too?
0: Absolutely. I think we can all use a coach in our life to some degree or another. Some might want more, some might want less, some just need a little bit when they get stuck. I personally have two coaches of my own (laughs) aside from my riding coaches and it's great because sometimes you just get stuck and you just need a different perspective. You need someone to reframe something, someone to point out what is right in your face but you're so close to it because it's yours that you can't quite see it and it's The most rewarding things when my clients have those like aha moments and they just in a matter of seconds or a minute there's this internal shift in their subconscious and then you just watch them run with it and their life is never the same. You know, we all have these we all have these belief systems. We get them when we're young, they're influenced by our parents, our family, our friends, society, all that sort of stuff. And then we develop these rules around them and we live by that and it all happens in our subconscious. So Unless you're really, really consciously aware or you have a coach to help you, you know, uncover and and discover, like, kind of what's going on in the background of your mind, that's creating this reality in front of you. So if you have a reality, if you're, like, looking at your life and you're like, I don't like this part of my life or I'm stuck here, it all goes back to what's in your subconscious. So that's where a coach can really come into play. And just giving you or helping you discover you know, where that little mental block is. And then, I mean, the greatest thing about coaching is in one session, if we can find the root belief there and shift it, your whole, literally, and this is from a neuroscience point of view, your whole brain gets reprogrammed off that belief. And your life is never the same. Don't even think the same thing. Um, to get certified, I had to do a lot of the work on myself. And I continue to, you know, work on my growth and whatnot. And I remember having these like kind of beliefs. And, and I remember one day I was driving and like that same line that we all like the negative self talk that we all have, you know, popped into my head and the thought stopped halfway. And I'm like, that's not true. And then I laughed at myself because I'm like, this kind of negative chatter that I've bought into my whole life, all of a sudden just isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like another aha moment for me. I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is, like, for real. And the fact that it doesn't take hours and months and years and all this time in your life to, like, you know, sit there and, you know, some people don't want to, you know, talk to a coach or a therapist or whatever because they're afraid they're just going to just, like, relive all their pain and trauma or whatever the bad stuff they don't want to talk about in their life. And that's not necessarily true. You just need to find the root cause of it. And once you shift that, you know, you kind of think about maybe something that you don't really like in your life in the past, but the emotion isn't there. You don't feel it anymore. And it's just like, meh, all right. <laughs> and it, it's great because then you like move yeah. on with your life and you never know how great you can be until you really dive into it and say, you know, it, it's just amazing. It's, the mo- it's so rewarding. It's been rewarding with my horses Been rewarding with my human clients. I just love it.
2: No, that's, that's amazing to hear. I love that quote. Like you never know how great you can be until you like dive into yourself. Ah, we have to end it there. Like that is like, you can't get better than something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Jazz, thank you so much for coming on. If people want to learn more about you and the services that you offer, and then also follow your flight of horses. I'm so excited to see them come out at the makeover. Where can people find you?
0: Well, if you're looking for my coaching services and a little bit about me, you can find me at jazzthelifecoach.com, and you can follow my horses. At least two of them have their own um, Facebook pages, so you're looking for Paige McKenney and Axel Woes, and I think there's like a dash and then, you know, Journey to the Makeover, something like that, but I need to get better at posting videos of them, but Axel and I just had our first dressage lesson today with Nuno oh. Santos. So I'm really excited to post in that video once I edit the videos down, because they're really long, and put some stuff up there. So you can check out those, too, and Legends Hope should have his own Facebook page shortly as well. And then, you know, anyone can always feel free to message me on Facebook or through email. You can find me at napromnickracing at gmail.com or... Many other emails I have, but that's probably the easiest one to remember.
2: (laughs) Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jazz. We really appreciate your time today, and we are excited to see you at the makeover in October.
0: Well, thank you for having me. It was a joy to talk to you today, and I will see you all at the makeover.
2: Fate Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the Care Cushion System and Easy Change Fit Solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle. Visit com to find out more. That's baitsaddles.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curb is taken second, but California Chrome
0: shines bright in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winter Circle adoptable horse of the week.
2: Well, of course, would it be retired racehorse radio if we didn't have our one of our favorite people, Leandra, coming on from New Vocations? Welcome to the show
4: thanks for having me,
2: of course, well, normally Jamie would do this bit, but we we always have to ask you for a training question because you you're so good at what you do, so I have a hard one. I have a zinger for you, okay, okay, okay. How do you keep a horse's attention as you start training with them? You know everything's new, bright, exciting. How do you hope that or help them stay calm and focused once you start working with them
4: absolutely that that is a good one. So I like to think of them as kind of like little kids who can have short attention spans and need to be kind of entertained. So if you're working with them under saddle and you're facing this challenge and they just get distracted easily, you kind of bear the burden of keeping them entertained and keeping them focused on the job at hand. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. So same like you would use other aids, you can kind of wiggle your rein. Like That's a tool I use a lot, just kind of wiggling it so there's a little bit of um, a wave going down the rein. You're not going to really bump them with it, but just as like a reminder that you're still there. And you can do the same sort of thing with your legs or you can sort of shift your weight. And hopefully they're paying attention to that. But sometimes it's a little bit more difficult than that. And for that, I usually try to in list to health of laterals or circles. Like I use circles all the time, which is great because you're you really just want to make sure you're not disciplining through the mouth. And because that can make them numb to other aids that you're going to use and when you need to have their attention in the mouth and you, you want to maintain that softness. So a circle allows you to slow them down without pulling get their attention. If it's going elsewhere, like they requires that they focus because they need to balance. There are a lot of moving parts there. And then you can go right back into a straightaway and see, all right, do I have your attention now? And if not, you just go back into another circle. And if you are a little bit more advanced in things, or, or maybe you're just looking to use another tool, or maybe they're at a point where they try to speed up through the circles instead of slow down, Then you can try to work with them on laterals. And again, they're not going to be perfect laterals, but that's not the point right now. So sometimes even you say you apply your left leg to move them off to the right and they'll go right into your leg. So you can sort of work on little things like that. But these tools, when you use them, will have a dual purpose. So it's going to help you get their focus because you're adding little challenges. And you're also going to be working on really great foundational tools that will help you when you're riding along the way. If you're feeling a little more brave or maybe you have a really brave horse, you can add things like ground poles that certainly will help them to get their attention because they have to step over them. Anything that's going to engage their body will also engage their mind and focus them on the job at hand and on what you're asking them so that's probably those are my favorite things for getting the attention back
2: to of a young horse
4: or a green horse who might otherwise easily get
2: distracted. I love that and I'm writing all of that down for my greenies. And do you do the same thing even if you take them off site? Cuz I think sometimes we get comfortable in the arena, like especially if we're just learning the horse and you're ready to go on your first trail ride or can you do those same exercises then? Yeah,
4: absolutely. A lot of the same things apply. Like, so you can do the wiggling of the rein just about anywhere you can once you've taught them um to move off of your leg, you can do that just about anywhere. And then on the ground, same sort of things. Like if I have one who's lunging and they're getting distracted, you can send that wave down the line and just give them a little wake-up call. You can ask them to stop and turn. It's just if you move, if you are controlling their feet, you're going to control their attention.
2: Perfect. That is wonderful advice and some that I'm definitely going to be using. <laughs> awesome. But Speaking of amazing horses doing cool things, let's talk about our Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week here. We have Kolstomer. Did I I say that right? It's so, like, Germanic.
4: Yes, I think it's right. That's how I say it. Kolstomer.
2: Oh, man. This is a handsome, handsome horse. (laughs) Yes, he
4: really is. And I think that definitely in other horses who have Melbourne Moon in their Bloodlines, they tend to just be really stunning horses. Malibu Moon is his grandsire, but definitely I think there's some family resemblance there. But he's stunning. So he sticks at 16 hands. He's dark bay and uh, just built really well. He has a beautiful neck on him, great attachment. Like he just has a build that screams sport horse, and he has the bloodlines to back it up. So and he had a decent career as a racehorse that just couldn't keep up in the higher levels so he had only eight starts won $19,000 and managed to win some races but he retired without any injuries and is totally awesome in uh, his when in our process of retraining and getting him oriented towards the gears for a different career path he's been wonderful so really he's he's kind of the total package. He's still growing and he but he already kind of has the the balance and the motion and the wherewithal of an older horse. So in a lot That's of ways
2: he's uh, you couldn't ask for a better project. I know I'm watching his video right now. I was like, "Man, he would make a really nice dressage horse or even a 3-day eventer. He just carries himself so nicely. It's got this nice floaty trot. Yeah. Really Anytime nice him
4: down to like one discipline, you're like, But
2: he mm-hmm. could be a show hunter, but he'd be awesome in your song. Like, we just can't pick, so yeah, it's definitely a unicorn, that's really, for sure. Yeah, and he, a unicorn with just you know the craziest asking price ever of $500, people, okay. $500, and you're gonna have a unicorn in the barn, yeah. Yeah, we've
4: dropped all of our adoption fees for now to try to help horses get into the right home for them, even in these times that have a lot of unknowns. You know, COVID-19 has really put strain on people in different ways, and so we wanted to make sure that the horses are We're not putting, we don't make money on the adoption fees, so we don't want to burden anybody and we want to make sure these horses are still able to find homes because of course, when the horses get adopted, not only are they going to a fantastic home, we're able to open that stall up to another horse who might be looking for a spot in our program. So there really is, you're paying it forward when you're getting these horses and we're we're just trying to help people in a time of need. So it really works out for everyone.
2: Beautiful. I love it. Well, if anyone wants to check out this amazing horse, his name is Cole Stomer. You can find him at horseadoption.com as well as all the other amazing horses that New Vocation has available. Thank you so much, Leandra, for coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. You can like us on Facebook, just search for retired race horse radio. We're on Twitter at horse radio, and I have a Facebook page Flyover farms, Jamie Jennings certified Monty Roberts instructor, and you can
2: email me at Jamie at horse network.com you can email me at joy at or find me on instagram at joy h equestrian thanks so much to all of our amazing sponsors kentucky performance products cashel products and bait saddles and don't forget to check out all the other shows on horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com. remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride and spay neuter and geld bye guys